the profound knowing that we're so deeply interconnected that I'm only here because of you and everything else that I'm experiencing is dependent on me and I'm dependent on them. So to feel that support and be like, okay, they've got my back. And I can only realize that because it's not like I need them, but I want to walk beside them. This is Awakened Love, the podcast, and I'm your host, Angel. This is a space where we get real, real about sex, love, and awakening. So strap in, let's go deep. What's up, beautiful Awakened Lovers? Today, we are joined by Moon De Simone. She is a devoted Vajrayana Buddhism practitioner and teacher, a yogi, an artist. She's trained in contemplative psychotherapy, and she's one of the most spacious, wise, present people that I have the privilege of knowing and loving. And I'm just so grateful that she's here to share some of that presence and wisdom with us today. (laughs) We're having a little dancing welcome. Thank you so much for being here, Queen. I'm so elated to get to see your face and feel your presence. You've been Mm. away for a while. I've been away for a minute. Yeah. I'm so glad to be here, my love. Thank you for having me and for, you know, doing what you do. I'm so excited to chat and, you know, be with you right now. So thank you. Yes. Yes. Let's dive right in, babe. I imagine it's pretty present with you. You've just come off. Was it three months of retreat? Yeah. Three months. Can you tell us about that? What's the go? (laughs) yes I would love to tell you about it um I've just returned I think now it's actually I've gotten back I got back a month ago which is in it feels surreal time has been a very interesting thing but I was on retreat for three months and it's called a Vajrasafa purification retreat as part of my lineage Tibetan Buddhism Mahayana Vajrayana Buddhism this is one of the preliminary practices so there's about 10 preliminary practices and they are all revolve around extended time in retreat, X amount of numbers of mantra recitations, you know, initiations and this and that. So this retreat, I've known about this retreat for quite some time and it actually was, it felt really scary at first. I mean, I've known about this since I started studying Buddhism, which was over 10, over eight years ago. But in the beginning, I was like, oh, three months retreat. That sounds, that sounds wild. I don't think so. It just felt like this very far away Um, dream Mm. and then when I heard that you know the monastery was reopening and things were coming back again it was September of last year my first thought was I want to do it I don't know if this is the right time Mm. but between between September end of September when I first heard about it and November when I applied and got in it was like this whirlwind of everything just began to work in perfect flow in perfect conditions for me to go on this retreat and I said okay this is this is the time there's so much happening in my at home with family and all of that so I was kind of hesitant if this was really the best thing that I could do and then the more that I you know sat in practice and really reflected I started to realize that it was such a challenge for me to make the time to go as much as it was absolutely necessary for me to do that. And the more I started to talk about it with friends, people were saying, I'm so glad you can do this for me. You can do this for us. You can do this for us that can't go or that just had a baby. You know, our friend Liz actually said that I'm so glad you can do this for us because I'm I, I'm having a baby. 
So it felt it felt pretty monumental even before going. It felt already so much of the transformation and the initiation began to take place even before I arrived on retreat. So by the time it all started, I was like, this is, it felt like something I had never imagined before. And even every expectation that I had about the retreat were totally thrown off just like a few weeks in. Um, so the retreat itself, it's 90 days, the same exact practice every single day, no days off. There are seven of us living in a monastery. I'll give you a little bit of the parameters and the conditions so you get the picture. Yes, please uh, do. In a monastery. Because I think people like <laughs> yeah, hear yeah. retreat and they're imagining like, I don't know, sitting on a beach, like doing some, you know. Yeah. So yeah, paint the picture of what a Buddhist retreat is in the light that you have experienced it. Because I think it's quite different. Exactly. Yeah. So in this in this specific one, um, there's an incredible monastery, a Buddhist monastery in Nepal, in the Himalayas, up in the hill, where it's a big monastery. And there's about 300 monks that live there full time. There's about five or six Western nuns that teach. And then there was us, seven Westerners doing this retreat. So everything was heightened. When we arrived, it was really cold at the end of January. And literally, the outside seasons changed throughout the entire time, as much as there were so many seasons every single day. It was a, a, a truly psychological roller coaster within to be with yourself. Of course, it was a group retreat, but a lot of it was really self-trust, self-resilience, you really looking out for yourself and being that person for you. So the, the actual teaching of this retreat is what they call a purification retreat. But for us, you know, Westerners, sometimes the word purification can mean so many things. And I know it meant for me in, you know, growing up Catholic, there was that thing of like being pure and not being pure, being good and being bad. But from a Buddhist perspective, purification simply means letting go, you know, putting mm -hmm. down the psychological burden that we've all been holding on. It's about compassion, truly. It really is the most compassionate practice that I have ever experienced that everything that we have done is forgivable, is redeemable. Mm. It's really around having the willingness to take responsibility for everything that we have thought, that we have said, that we have done, and knowing that everything that we've done in the past has a consequence. And we can change those consequences by meeting those parts of us, by you know experiencing this sense of regret for what we did, whether it was hurtful to ourselves or to others, whether we didn't even know it was hurtful. It, for me, it was also something that was quite jarring to my system to realize how many beliefs I have had my entire life, which, you know, you and I have done this work for so many lifetimes and so many years in this life. Obviously, I have known which are my limiting beliefs, but to really feel truly in my being, wow, I believe these things and they've impacted how I see myself and how I see the world and I've hurt myself and others profoundly. So it takes a lot of courage really to say, I'm going to go to that edge. I'm going to choose to clean out the little corner that I have wanted not to look at, that I have had a lot of shame and guilt and self-pity and have felt self-conscious about certain parts of myself. The reason why I'm doing that is because I know that those parts do not define who I am and my core, the truth of who I am. And because through the practice of Ajrasafa, through this practice, I was embraced with myself, with everyone around me, with an insane amount of compassion that I knew I could go as far as I had ever been before, that I could meet those parts of myself and not feel overwhelmed by them, you know, and not over-identify with those stories, but I could come and look at them from a different perspective, change my relationship with them, and then by simply doing that, the consequences of those actions begin to change, which is mm -hmm. more of the truth of who we are. 
And amidst doing, you know, this kinds of practice that you recount and you experience regret and then you feel remorse and then you have visualization practices. We're also asked to chant this long mantra a hundred thousand times. So we're doing these practices. We are Ooh. chanting, we are counting the mantras <laughs> and we're also, you know, reading this incredible life, like totally mind transforming texts that are just a continuous reminder of what is possible, of who we are, of our potential, of the teachers that have come before us, and why this practice continues to transform people. You know, I mean, Buddhism has been around for over 2,500 years. And this specific practice, this specific retreat that I did, was one of my teachers that created over 50 years ago. And my teacher who led our retreat has been teaching this retreat for 28 years, the same wow. retreat. So we just you feel that sense of lineage, that sense of trust, and that felt of, of like, oh, I'm really a part of something. And I'm not only am I part of something, but I am a part of something that trusts and believes and acknowledges that I am worthy of this level of freedom. Mm. I hadn't actually put into words in this way before, but it was like, it was, it's actually scary to recognize that, that level of potential is possible. You know, I was yes. met with so much resistance because, you know, in con our conditioning is to be addicted to drama and to what's not working and to feeling stuck and to our suffering. So to admit that I had been so addicted to suffering and to getting in my way and to doubting myself. And I actually didn't had never felt that amount of grief for the times that I really, you know, denied myself potential, you know. So in mm. so many ways. I, I went to edges of my psyche, edges of my mind and my body, you know, meeting traumas that I didn't even know were still stored in this physical body because we also did prostrations every single day before every single session. So it wasn't just like I'm there with my mind. I'm there with my mind. I'm speaking. I'm crying. I'm experiencing all of these emotions and physically, you know, so there were challenges in every sense of the word. And I would do it in a heartbeat all over again. <laughs> so it's one of those things that's like, I'm like, okay, so when do we go back? Because the, 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 the level of clarity that I experienced isn't like anything else, you know? It feels as though there is, it's almost like I see all of me in a way that I never saw before. I see who I was, I see who I can be, and I see a little more space between all those parts. You know, there's a little more of me this sense of like, oh, I can trust. There is a way. There's a humor to the ups and downs, you know, whereas before I was like, oh, and, you know, we over-identify. We think, oh, that didn't work out. I'm bad. Or I didn't do it right, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's um, mm. there's a little bit more humor to be like, oh, isn't this life sort of hilarious? You know, mm. all these little tricks that I play on myself and all of these little challenges that are absolutely necessary for me to grow. Uh, and not only doing that, but also well, another aspect that was incredibly powerful that I just want to share before, you know, I stop this rant. It's that it was very interesting to notice that <clears throat> how much we, how much, let me just bring it to myself, how much I, I define who I am and this is obviously not, I'm not a, like an individual. I'm an individual, but this is a condition that we all share. But how much I recognize how much I define who I am based on who and what is around me. You know, it's mm. like, oh, these are my friends. So, all right, so I'm doing good. I, this is, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good person, which is true, though. I have incredible friends. Look at you. And at the same time, if I have no friends, I'm still a great person. 
Yes. So to really sit with that level of like, I'm totally alone here, Moon. Of course, there were six other people in retreat with me, but it was very much like, you got to show up for yourself. And I had never, I had never in my entire life had that amount of, of, it's just you right now, you know, to really go to those edges and be like, I want to call someone, I'm going to go get my phone. And each, and it's like, no, actually all the, all the devices and all the habits that I would do to distract, to numb were not available. There was no phones, no TV, no eating whenever I wanted, no talking to friends or no, it was just like, oh, you have to really sit in that discomfort. You have to really mm. be with yourself in the sense of total groundlessness. And what do you do? And it's like, oh, I guess I can still find a sense of enoughness and okay. That was totally mine. I was Oof. a total mind fuck, honestly. I was like, yeah. And then yes. all over again, you know, and you would reach these places. I would reach these places and be like, okay, I think I'm all right now. And then here it is again. And then there's something else. And then there's something mm -hmm. else. Yes. But you having to find there's enoughness a, there's a, without relationship to anything else. Wow. How do we find our enoughness without <laughs> relationship yeah. to anything or anyone else? It's like, it sounds like your ability to put yourself in this retreat without distractions created a lot of space and the space sounds like it created a lot of clarity. Um, I'm curious, could you walk us through a day in the life of you in the retreat? Like what happened? On yes. Retreat? Yeah. Yes. Perfect question. Uh, so the first session was at 530 in the morning, um, but I would wake up at least 430, you know, even some days when I could before so I could do some stretches and have my own short little practice by myself before I went on to be with all these people, even though they were amazing, there, there was a point that like, I can hear you breathing and it's annoying me. You know what I mean? Cause you're with those people. So I'm just like, I hear you. And it's, mm -hmm. I mean, I couldn't say that, but it was again, mm -hmm. so interesting to look at your mind, how it's always mm -hmm. trying to find something, the conditioning of our mind to find something that's not working and like the level of satisfaction mm -hmm. that it never gets satisfied. So there's a session from five, as we know, you know, this, this wonderful ego, this wonderful conditioned mind is like, no, honey, you can give me whatever you want. All the drugs, all this, all that, whatever, whatever, all the meditation, all the food. And I'm still not satisfied. So I'm like, now that's where the humor is. You know, that monkey yes. is never satisfied. Anyhow, from 5.30 to 7.30 was the very first session. So we start with motivation, prostrations, and then we do a breathing practice. And then we do the beginning of, of, it's like, how do I say this? There's a whole puja, but we'll do the, the beginning of it in the first session and then the end of it in the night session. So there's an hour of recitation and, and prayers and motivation and dedication and offerings and reading this incredible, outstanding texts that you're like, wow. You know, it's, it's some of the words, some of the things that you're like, this is really why these practices are transformational. Because again, it's it's just like, here it is. Look at this. Understand this. It's okay. It's possible. You can do it again and again and again. And then mm. for the final hour, we are chanting can you the mantras. Describe what prostrations are for people that don't know. Sorry. Can you describe what prostrate prostrations are for people listening who yes. don't know what those are? Prostrations are, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, so just a visual of prostration is you could you could see. It could be seen as almost like a sun salutation if you're a yogi or if you know what that is. So it's a full body exercise, I guess. It's a full body movement that it begins with you standing up and then it's a refuge prayer. So you're taking refuge, which in Buddhism, it's like you're realigning yourself with your support systems, 
which is the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, but not so much only the Buddha like Shakyamuni Buddha, but the Buddha as in everyone's innate potential. So the Buddha in you, the Buddha in me. So we'll take refuge to the Buddha, the teachers, the practices, which is the Dharma, and then the Sangha, which is the community. And then from there, you essentially throw your whole body onto the ground. It's a real, it's a real humbling practice as well, because you're, you, you put your whole entire body on the floor, forehead on the ground. And then it's, it's imagined as also as if you're bowing to the feet of the teacher, to the feet of the potential, to the feet of, of that. The refuge is also like how I like to describe it as, it's like the forces, you know, this unseen and seen forces that are always supporting you unconditionally. And, and then you come right back and do it all over again. And while you're doing the practice, you're also reciting the names of the 35 Buddhas of Confession and the Madison Buddhas. So that just that beginning practice is the initiation of everyone has this potential to purify, to let go, to put down the burden. Everyone has the potential to rely on these 35 Buddhas to help you with specific things, you know, anger and grief and righteousness and pride and, you know, attachment and aversion. So there's specific names of specific Buddhas that help you with specific things. So yes, that's essentially a prostration. And that's and just the beginning. So that's that like is just, just the, the beginning. beginning. <laughs> yeah, and that's then. Like, and then, yeah. <laughs> the, the beautiful thing about this practice, I remember when I first arrived, I was just like, oh, wow, prostrations before every session. I thought it was going to be prostrations once a day. Oh, Okay, you know, and then you you have to like build yourself up. But as everything, we are such adaptable beings that we adapt. And I began to love prostrations because it gave me an opportunity to not only be with my body, be with my breath, but lock it in before I was seated for an hour and a half to do the full practice that it's intended for you not to move while you're practicing as well. The, the other aspect of prostrations, why... We did so many of them and why they're so powerful and why I think it's important. And I'm so glad you asked it is because especially in this Western mentality, like imagine if you were to walk in to see your teacher or to see someone that you love or to see someone that you that you appreciate or that you respect. And then your whole body is on the ground and your forehead is on the ground and you're just saying, hi, I'm here. Thank you. I receive. I support. Mm -hmm. It's like it really is a total shatter to I think I'm better or I think I know some. You know, it really is an incredible practice to totally destroy any sense of pride, not divine pride, like the potential, but pride as in like, I think I'm better or like, I, I don't need to do that. And it really humbles everything. It just really destroys any sense of like, this is who I am and that's who you are. There was a moment that I would look around and everyone is doing the prostrations and you're sweating because it's cold and then the heater is on, but then you're so hot and you're just breathing and reciting the names and prostrating. And it's like, okay, wow. There is no moon prostrating or this person or that person's breath movement prayer over mm. and over and over again. Mm. yeah <laughs> so powerful my love I can really yeah. feel it's almost like we're being transported there by listening to mm. your recount of it can we talk a yeah. little bit about uh, I'm just going to put a bookmark in humility and this kind of feeling of superiority and inferiority and we're going to come back to that but first I want to continue on this tip around your day so there's right. the prostrations then there's an hour and a half of a seated still practice and then mm -hmm. what happens so there's prostrations and then you do the, the first part of the puja, which is the reading, the chanting, and then you do one hour of silent 
mantra recitation. So you use a mala and everyone on their own recite the mantras. And then we do the dedications at the end and the morning, the 5.30 to 7.30 is done. And then we'll have breakfast from 7.30 to 9 is like the breakfast break. And we all had breakfast separate from everyone else. And then 9 to 11, there's a second session, which is similar to the first one. It's just a different sadhana. It's an actual mm-hmm. sadhana. So we're reading different things and it's a different practice. There's mudras, there's, you know, different sounds and things that as much as I can share. And then there's lunch break from 11. We had we had lunch at 11. From 11 to 12 is the hour that we can eat for lunch. Because then we also fasted every day from 12 p.m. until the next morning at breakfast which was really fun because, you know, I love snacks. I was like, oh, wow, okay. So, again, such a powerful way to look at the attachments that I think I need to eat at dinner. Otherwise, I won't survive. It's like, no, you'll be okay. So you have a long break. <laughs> it's like I survived, obviously. And that long break is quite nice because it's quite warm during in the middle of the day in the mountains. So you walk and you sit in the sun and then you read, you know, you do laundry. There's always something you do or you just nap, you know. You also organize mm-hmm. your schedule. I took naps every day. And then there's a third session from three to five. Same exact thing as the one prior to lunch. Frustrations, an hour of sadhana, one hour of mantra recitation. And then there's a tea break between seven, I mean, between five and 6.30. And then the final session from 6.30 to 8.30, which is the, the second half of the very first session. But again, frustrations, motivation, breathing, um, the puja, and then end the session. And go to sleep. You know, you act, I actually went to sleep every day by like 9, 10 Babies asleep, you know, we end yes. at 30, take a shower, do a little bit of like writing, tidy up some things, and then you're sleeping, you know, because the next day it's all over again. But the beautiful thing is that in the beginning, I remember thinking, wow, it's going to take so long. I started counting the weeks. I'm like, oh, 11 more weeks to go. Wow. <laughs> but then it just kind of, it just flies. I remember I counted yes. again. It was like six weeks and then poof, two weeks. So wow. it's, I, I'm, I'm sharing this for everyone that's listening that in the beginning, everything feels challenging. Everything feels new yes. and everything felt like nearly impossible. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I signed up for this. I don't know what. And then as you continue, you're like, oh, actually, there's so much strength in me that I didn't even know existed. And then you feel excited because the challenge becomes exciting instead of scary. And that's what happened, you know, and I got to really see myself in, in ways and relationships to what I was experienced to the people that were there, even though there's so much of the time they weren't even talking, but just seeing how the conditioning and the fears begins to project things because they're just trying to like hold on to something. And mm. how and much time like, were you in silence? So the, the, the first and the third month were, were half silence. So ha- half of the day was silence and the other half wasn't silence. But even though, it wasn't silence. We were still, you know, um, the suggestion, I guess that's the best word to say. The suggestion from the teachers were to keep everything, conversations to a minimum and only talk about retreat, which obviously that's really what ends up doing. Even in the beginning, we're slowly like getting to know each other. But then by the end, you're like, I feel so close to you, but I don't even know like, do you have siblings? You know, like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, you don't even know such basic <laughs> things, but you 
you've just gone through this insane experience with these people that I feel so close to them. I, I like love them as much as I love someone that I've known for 20 years and I know their insides, you know. And then the entire second month was full silence, which was very hard, but very profound. Um, yeah, there was a moment that I was like, I think I'm losing it. I think I need to like, <laughs> I need to like talk to someone because the emotions were incredibly heightened. You know, I had been doing the practice the same exact thing for over four weeks. So we had cracked, you know, the surface. I was really into those corners that I had hid for myself consciously and unconsciously for my entire life. And yeah, it was really scary a lot of the times, to be honest. I was just like, wow, what's happening? Because the emotions were so up and down. I'm excited, I'm happy, then I'm crying, and then I see a flower, and then I'm crying, and then I see a bird that's screaming too loud, and then I'm like, it was just mm. everything was heightened in every aspect yes. of the word. Yeah. Yes. Tell me more about that second month <laughs> of silence that took you to your edges, it sounds like. Um, I know I've had experiences in, in my life and my practice where the way I would describe it is it puts a lot of pressure on the psyche and it mm. can be really health, healthy, helpful pressure. Eventually it's valuable. Um, it sounds maybe like that's what you're pointing to, but I'm curious, what, what, I want to know more about your experience of that deep period of silence. What were the challenges? What have you brought through on the other side? What was the most valuable thing? Mm. If, if there is one. <laughs> I don't think there is one. You know, I, I was asked this question before too, and I think it, it. I try to, but it almost it feels almost as I'm doing a disservice to something that was yes. so profound mm -hmm. to like try to put it into like oh yeah I'm like oh so here's one thing it, it, I can't even think about ten things there were you know it's if there's so much. Uh, what I find that was the reason why I think the second month was so profound was because we knew we were in it. You know what I mean? We we're like, okay, we're really in this. We, I had committed and I was like, okay, I'm really in this practice. And, and I've seen what's possible. You know, I, I began to see, it's like, I began to clean some corners of the house and I was like, oh, wow, there's more dirt over there. There's a little more over there. Oh, but then I actually see what's actually possible. So then there's a part of you that, a part of me, I was like really excited to continue to do, but there's also part of me that had a lot of resistance and it was really scared because it was so much, you know, like memories and memories flooding, flooding mm. that I was like, <gasps> there were moments that I was like, oh, I think I need to just like, I, I would pause the practice and to just breathe and bring myself to like, this is okay. And the reason why it's so powerful, because there are no distractions, you know, I'm only reading and practicing and eating and sleeping and going to the bathroom and doing laundry very often, because I'm also just like, okay, well, let's do a little more laundry, you know, you know, <laughs> so... <laughs> That's the and entertainment. The, another, yeah, like <laughs> the other aspect, the other thing that was also very fascinating was because even though the half silence from the prior month was very impactful, I would still like, you know, look at someone and be like, hey, you know, kind of like I see you and you see me. But when you're when we did the full silence, it's like you're not looking at anyone. You know, I began to think I'm like, so I'm, I think I'm invisible. Oh my God, no one sees me. I'm invisible, which was, again, an incredible practice for someone like me that had this conditioning to want to be seen and want to be validated and want to make sure that I'm the center of attention, that people see me, that I'm cool, that I'm loud, that I'm funny, that I'm this, you know, acting and modeling were perfect because I'm like, here it is. This is a moon show always. So to be in a monastery mm -hmm. that I'm literally 
just like no one is no one sees me quote unquote no one no one can acknowledge me because everyone around us also knew that that was our practice was profound was so, so what transformative. do you do what do you, you do you, when there's no one to acknowledge you <laughs> you feel like you're going you're losing it a little bit you know I had to actually go to my teacher and be like I don't know what's happening but I'm I'm going here I'm going there and my mind is this and then I'm and I'm crying and I was like I mean I'll be eating lunch and then it's just I'm just crying I can't even pinpoint where yeah. it's coming from but I was like okay it's Oof. gotta come we have to I have to let them wash me and she only she just looked at me and said you're very capable and wow. I was like oh and she says keep going and I was wow, like that could almost bring me to tears just you're very because capable that's <laughs> it and like it was just three words you are very capable okay four words and that's it and I was like okay I'm having all these dreams on top of it all, I was having all these dreams that everyone was dying I was vomiting blood you know I was being carried <sighs> out of places so she was like your mind is being cleared in every aspect of the word mm. you know what I mean it's not just the conscious what you know or your memories or your past it's also what's what's the stored that comes through when you're sleeping and I was like oh my god and then it becomes mm -hmm. exciting because I was like oh there's so much to be seen and it's not easy you know I'm not sitting here saying like oh it's cake but it's possible so she just yes. said those three those few words you are very capable I was like oh okay I guess you're right Okay, you're capable. <laughs> and then I and I began to like really gift myself that, you know, I wrote more. I'd write letters to myself. I wrote notes to myself and put them in the corners of my of my desk, you know. I would look at myself in the mirror and say, It's okay, we got this. So it really brought me closer than I had ever been to more parts of myself and to really get to be there. I'm like Whatever happens, I'm still with myself. For as long as I'm in this body, I'm, I've got my back. And I've talked about this before, and I've been teaching about this stuff for, for years, but you really feel in this totally Ooh, yes. visceral level that I was like, oh, whatever happens, I've got me. I just got goosebumps mm. all over again. Yeah, yeah. It, and you know and it's that- It's messy, I, you know? Like that's what I've been learning this last year in myself. This and and everyone listening is, has heard me share more about this. But just that this process of clearing the mind is fucking messy and at times yeah. terrifying because we come yeah. face to face with the mud, right? It's mud and and so just yeah, I really am resonating, and it's such a profound level at which you're doing this work. This deep cleaning and clearing out, and I think we can get into this idea that purifying is this puritanical all light all white it's like it's like no it's a descent into the murky muddy deep scary sometimes aspects of our psyche and self and and I'm just um in such reverence to you my love your devotion mm. to the practice and your and your willingness you and I know I've shared this with you but you came to me so often in dream space actually while you were away <laughs> so it was well cool you know to it's feel you I felt you too. I felt you too because during session two and session three, something that we did is what we call this, like we build our own field of refuge, you know? So like you mm. call out and you visualize who are the people that are part of your support system. And every day you'd say your mom, your father's on your right side, your mom is on the left side and everyone you know that you love is behind you. And I would do you, Rach, Jess, Liz, mm. Roxo, my brother, my brother. And like every mm. single day I would visualize and feel you all there. And it was so impactful and so mm. necessary because I was like, even though I feel so alone, 
And yes, I am alone, right? I am. This is, this is, this is a lonely, this is an alone journey. As much as it is not lonely, like I can, but like it is alone. We'll forever be alone and making peace with that. And at the same time, I can only really make peace with that because I know that I am surrounded by Sangha and community and I, I don't exist without you and vice versa, you know? So this level of like really feeling into the, the profound knowing that we're so deeply interconnected that I'm only here because of you and everything else that I'm experiencing is dependent on me and I'm dependent on them and numberless, right? I can't even come to number how many people are involved in me being here right now and same for mm. everyone. So to feel that support and be like, okay, they've got my back and I can only realize that because it's not like I need them, but I want to walk beside them beside you it's it's a it's a very yes. interesting it's a very interesting look at like at feeling connected and feeling this deep heart desire to be with people but not that you need them in the sense of like i need i need hold on to you i'm attached it's very different you know it's much more open oh. and alive that we yes. can coexist together and separate together alone and together you know yes it's so wild and it's not wild because of course this is how things work but exactly what you're describing is what I experienced in my practice this morning I have just come back from LA yeah of course right <laughs> and so practicing in sangha like together with your brother and Rachi and Johan and like uh, you know our community and getting to be in breathwork and meditation together and then coming home I felt this like longing in my heart yesterday in my practice alone and I was mm -hmm. like hey I'm gonna join jump on zoom and I'm gonna join them in practice and throughout that process I could just feel myself feeling really distracted and like my body I'm like I need to change my clothes because I'm not comfortable and then I'm like now do you go to the bathroom and like so distracted and then just settling into that discomfort embracing the block and underneath hitting this pocket of grief and weeping feeling like oh my gosh, I feel like I'm not with my community. I feel, and then touching this other pocket. And it, of course, this makes sense why I would touch a flavor of this as you're here to share such a powerful, potent transmission of this was touching this frequency of I am alone and I am here alone in Colorado. I've just moved here and, and I've, we've also just gone into escrow on a piece of land. And so I think that was present with me of like, I want to be here and I am, you know, I'm not alone, but I am alone. Like we are all alone, but I'm also connected. Mm -hmm. And so like rectifying this deep longing to be with, but also accepting. And, and I was like literally asking myself, can I expand my consciousness and my being to be able to hold this complexity? Can it be both? Mm -hmm. Can I both be longing for the people I love and also okay alone and also know that I'm ultimately always together just like this com complex holding and so I, I just had to share that because as you were sharing that I was like interesting I totally touched a little frequency of that this morning yeah. in my practice it makes total <laughs> sense that we're here having this conversation and I what I I just want to add to something that you said that it is it is messy and it is essentially like it doesn't really make sense really to our rational mind, right? It doesn't. It literally does not make sense to how we're conditioned to see good, bad, right, wrong. This completely dualistic one or the other, this and that always. It's like, I like you because I don't like that. You know what I mean? Oh, I like coffee because mm. I don't like tea. So we're, we're literally mm. embedded with this limiting belief that it has to be one or the other. 
So what we're doing and what the practices allows us to do is to recognize that we have space for everything and that one doesn't minimize or undervalue the other, but the more we can open ourselves up to be as spacious as we can to embrace all of that, exactly as you said, I'm alone and I'm still deeply connected. That's a total mindfuck. It's literally like, wait, what? It is. It's like, I'm like, huh? Because I would feel that you'd be like, I feel so alone right now, but I'm in this room with six other people doing the exact same practice. And there's like 300 people outside, 300 monks outside. So like, it was like, wait, what? But I'm still alone. But I know that if I, mm-hmm. if I think I can't, I can reach out. So it really, it's, and I, and the, the, yes. the funny thing that, that I also realized is that we're, we're really good at dumbing ourselves down. You know, I was just like, oh, I felt mm-hmm. this grief with myself of how many years are spent dumbing myself down, just like really keeping myself in this tiny place in this tiny little box, believing that I had this tiny little potential and just, and just, I would obviously continue to recreate those experiences. So you touched on grief and it takes immense amounts of grief to meet those parts of you and to also feel the deep sadness that you believe they were all of you and you believe them to be the truth of who you are. Sure, all parts of us are real, but they're protected. They've been built as as manners of protecting us from times where we couldn't be fully expressed, but they're still here. Like I still have to love and tend to the part of me that wants to protect me and wants to be righteous and wants to do and and it's like, yes, but how about this way? How about, can I love you? Can I see what you need? Is that, it, it was just like, I'm like, sort of like, wait, is this really <laughs> Like, huh? There are of like, I just need someone to tell me that this is happening. And like, this, this is the way. Mm-hmm. And then there wouldn't yes. be anyone, right? I had to be like, this is the way, Moon. Right. Keep going, girly. Mm-hmm. Let's go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So powerful, my love. I think it's like touching on this idea of existential loneliness, which Mm -hmm. is the fact that I think that frequency will always exist within us. And until we embrace it, it's like embracing the block. I often say like the key is in the mud Mm. and it feels like the key to our liberation in it seems to always be through embracing the block. And I think that loneliness and disconnection is one of the most fundamental blocks. It's like one of the most difficult frequencies to embrace that and the frequency of, I don't know, (laughs) uncertainty, those two woo, powerful portals. But when you can embrace, like I am alone, I am experiencing an aspect of self that is separate. It is me and me. The buck does stop with me. Then you break through and it is actually, I'm totally unified and I'm never alone and I'm always connected and like holding the the complexity, the duality, embracing that alone, loneliness, moving towards that block or the same with the like, I don't know, like moving towards the feeling of, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Uncertainty is actually what creates the deepest level of certainty mm. and peace. It's kind of a mindfuck, as you say. <laughs> it is. That's, that's, that's literally the best way that I, that I have been able to, to bring some sense to me. It's like, because I, as you and I are very similar in that way, when we've talked about this, we love learning and we love understanding <laughs> and we love like yes. going in there, you know, like we're, <laughs> we can like really nerd out about so much. And while that is incredibly beneficial and necessary for me, like specifically, it's also keeps me from trusting and accepting so much that I have no idea. And I will never know mm-hmm. i will never know <laughs> i will literally never know everything i want to know yes 
And I will never actually feel yes. totally satisfied. I will also never, very likely, never feel totally happy. So accepting these levels of like, well, I just keep unmasking oh. this part of me that thinks that like, well, if I just do that, but if I reach that thing, or if I have that amount of followers, or if I if I get bangs, but then if I wear the lip, it's like never. <laughs> it'll, How relaxing is that though? Like everyone <laughs> listening, I will never, if you say it out loud, like what Moon just said, I will never be fully satisfied. Ah, oh, like it just is. relinquishing that burden of feeling like I need to keep moving towards ultimate happiness and satisfaction and comfort. And if I can just relinquish that, maybe I get ultimate satisfaction and comfort. <laughs> exactly. The moment you let go of wanting to hold on to or to be this way, you realize that like in this moment, I feel totally satisfied. In this very moment, I, I would rather be nowhere else. You know? Yes. So it's oh like, oh, God. sugar. Okay. So it's like, it, it really is about th this little glimpses, you know, this little glimpses of like, oh, opening and stretching and, and like dancing mm. with this, the mess. It really is. Like you said, mm. it is messy. You know, I, I've, I've tried for so long for things to be a little organized and tidy and like, you know, <laughs> my Google Docs and my notes <laughs> and all my notebooks journaling. <laughs> and like all my post-its and this. And it's just like, okay. I'm still thinking that if I keep things like that, I will be safe. I will be comfortable or mm. I will be mm. okay or I will be mm. enough. If someone wants to come into this world and see it, it's like, mm. no, actually. I'm s I <laughs> sorry, go for it. No, actually. Please go. <laughs> yes, my love. I was just going to say, I'm like receiving this potent. I'm like sitting here surrounded by my post-it notes and my <laughs> bullet journal and my other journal. And I'm just like laughing at myself, but also such deep gratitude for you sister because it is true that you have done this practice for you for your lineage but also for everyone listening for me because there's such a potent embodied transmission of this mm. coming off you right now that I can feel and am receiving the gifts of and so I hope that everyone listening or watching on YouTube is like yeah just letting that transmission and, and feeling the power of the truth of when we do this work it's not just for us we become a healing presence mm. and I'm feeling the magnitude you've always been a healing presence my love <laughs> but the magnitude Same. of the presence that you have cultivated through such devotion and diligence that it's just like oh wow it's such medicine to my heart such mm. relief you know, such relief. And so I want to loop back. I put a little bookmark in. And so that organized brain, sometimes it's helpful. Well, let me just, <laughs> sometimes let me it's just, hindrance, sometimes yeah, it's helpful. Yeah, but let me just, <laughs> I think it's important to just make a parenthesis that, that I, I have yes. to always, I, when I'm doing groups and things, I'm like, don't take everything I say so literal. Okay. Yes, and of I, course. I have to sort of like, I have, and I catch myself being like, okay, Moon, you need to go back to like, make sure that it's understood. So what I, what we mean is that if your tendency is to lean towards over-organizing, overdoing and, and believing that that is the only way, the same way that if you believe you need your coffee to wake up every morning, then there's something there where there's a problem. There's, there's, attachment. A, there, there's an attachment. Really, it's not the coffee or the drug, the, the caffeine, the sparkling water, whatever it is. It's, it's the relationship you have with such thing. So the issue that happens with attachment is when we believe that that one thing or that one way of being is the only way to reach whatever yes. it is, the so-called goal or whatever it is we're mm -hmm. trying to achieve. And 
the reason why this is so powerful for people like Angel and I is because those are our tendencies. So we get to look at them and stretch and still hold again that dichotomy and that, polar that polarity because of course my post-its and our notebooks are necessary but they're not the only yes. way some days i yes. will not open a notebook and i will do mm -hmm. something completely different but it takes a, a level of discernment that comes from profound dedication to practice for you to uncover this sense of equanimity and inner peace within you that you can walk this middle way that it's not too much yes. or it's not too little That's why the Buddha said the, the middle, middle way, the middle path, it's always, and it's always evolving, right? Because, you know, four months ago, what worked for me does not work anymore, right? And it's, it's like you're saying, now I live in Colorado. My conditions have changed. My mind has changed, my body, my surroundings, the weather outside and the weather inside has changed. You, we can't expect that what worked even two weeks ago still works. Of course, there's some foundations to everything that we do, but that's why we have to live so present And alive yes. in each moment to see what needs to continue to evolve with you, you know, continue to evolve with you. I, I was, it's so funny because before, just, it's like a funny thing to say, but like I, I had just arrived and I was just like looking at my clothes and, and being like, kind of like having, having like a funny moment in my closet, like, okay, huh? I'm kind of like looking for myself. I'm like, I don't really, it's like, yeah, I like you, but I, I really had this interesting moment that I was like, love these clothes, but they don't really feel in resonance with who I am in this mm. moment. So always, yes. we can only touch and like really be alive with that, be in touch with that resonance if we're really alive and present in our body, breathing, relaxed in each moment. Otherwise, we're going to be recreating everything we've done because we just do it so yes. automatically. I just wanted to there's share no that. no magic pill for presence. No, exactly. So, so true. It's like, wouldn't it be nice if there's a, just a shortcut or, you know, it's like this, nope, just got to be present and choose, choose, choose from that present place. Um, I love that. Thank you, babe. Thank you. I wanted to loop back around and touch on this idea you were talking about in prostration, this beautiful um, humility that comes through this physical posture of laying forehead to ground. And I wanted to um, kind of touch on this idea of, superiority and inferiority. And you kind of were talking a little bit about the middle path now. And I think that what I've noticed in my own psyche and in the psyche of people who whom give me the pleasure and privilege of getting to explore that space with them is this thing that we do, which is like we feel inferior and then we cover up our inferiority with a sense of superiority. Um, can you speak a little bit to that? To that, Is there anything in, in the Buddhist, in the texts, in the teachings that talks about this like inferiority, superiority complex that the psyche often has? Mm, yeah, I mean, you just nailed it exactly. What I have found from studying and reading different teachers and like really this idea that, I mean, let me just pause for a second. One of the five poisons, as it's called in Buddhism, is pride. You know, is this sense of like this sense of like righteousness, right? That I know more based on whatever conditioning I'm I'm drowning in. I quote unquote know more or I feel better than. But like you so beautifully said, it's just an armor for what's underneath this idea that I actually don't know. But we've also all grown up in this very self-conscious, and I'm saying quote unquote because I didn't make up this term. Pema Chodron, Chogan, Trump, Rinpoche have coined this, this very self-conscious society. 
So like we we were born in this society that we don't really know who we are. So therefore, we're always looking outside of us to figure out who I am. And what's outside of you is telling you that you need more of this or you need less of that or you need to look like that. And we've also grew, we also grew up around parents and caretakers that we received validation and reward by doing X, Y, Z. So we, when we weren't doing X, Y, Z, we thought we were less than. So just as a little background as to the conditioning that we're all drowning. And I say yes. drowning, it's harsh, but it's true. We're all drowning in this conditioning until we decide to swim up and like break free, which is possible. So we, we, it takes a lot of courage and humility to admit. I do not know, or I do not want that anymore, or those beliefs are mm. no longer, they don't, they don't work for me anymore. Or like, I don't know what God mm. means to me, but I was raised Catholic and I actually don't believe it's some guy up there telling me that this is good and this is bad. These are all my own stuff. So just what everybody knows, this is all my own unraveling. And like even a word like faith, you know, it's like, no, but what do you have faith? It's nothing outside of you. It's you. And the other side of this that I also think it's, it's magnificent and mysterious is that because we have we we essentially have no clue of what it's like to be who we really are right to really accept that we are fundamentally incredibly legendary good kind wise loving full of potential redeemable forgivable this is who we are at our core does not matter what has happened to you does not matter what you have done that's a hard truth for people to accept again because we live in a society that reconciliation and resolution and it's very, it's sort of like, this is what we're learning to do now. Instead of like, you do something bad, you are bad. No, that was an action. Mm. That was a habit. That was something you did. Mm. So separating who we are at our core to what we have done allows us to realize, oh, I do have yes. this potential and I don't know. You know, to have this sense of, mm. of vulnerability, to call you and be like, mm. I need your help, my love. Like I'm feeling mm. A, B, C, D. I'm feeling there's a heartbreak. I would, can you be here with me? But not from a place like I need you, I can't. But from a place of like, I want to embrace what you know so that you can remind me of what I know. It's very different. Yes. You know, it's not grasping. Oh. It's more like, it's like me when I talk to you, I'm like, yes, 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 thank you. And in my mind, I'm like, you are a perfect mirror to me. You're a perfect reflection to me. I'm happening. I'm existing because of you and vice versa. Of course, this is years of practice. But when I'm asleep and drowning mm. in conditioning, I'm just judging everyone and comparing myself to the wall. And then, of course, <laughs> to mask all that up, I'm thinking I'm better than everyone because, you know, I'm tall and I'm Brazilian and blah, 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 blah. The, the chatter mm. that goes on in the mind. But even this level of humor... Mm. You know, to realize that these are parts of me, that these are stories, that these are narratives, that this is not who I am. If we can continue to practice, to create a little bit of space between the truth of who we are and everything else that's happening. Again, the weather that's always changing does never, ever affect the sky. That is who we are. So mm. we need to we need to put our heads on the ground <laughs> if that's your practice. I, yes. I'm not saying we need, yes. but I, I highly recommend it because... It really just shatters all of these ideas, this fool that I've been that I've been masking because I, I'm, I'm too scared to admit that I don't know or I'm too scared to just say, like, I need help or I can't do yeah. this or can you help mm. me mm. and receiving oh my gosh, my love. and receiving. Yes. Ah, so hard. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
So vulnerable, excruciatingly vulnerable, and then excruciatingly beautiful. I just thank you so much. I think it's such a powerful pointer to why these practices, whatever your practice is, to come into contact with your true nature will help us to get out of this maladapted strategy Mm. of inferiority and superiority. Like even the feeling inferior is a strategy that's not truth, that's layered on top of this confusion. I don't know who I am or where I am, so I must be bad. It's like that's easier for people to feel Mm. oftentimes than the uncertainty of I don't know what the fuck is going on. (laughs) Most of us aren't. And I think most of us aren't initiated into deep contact with the mystery. And I was thinking about this the other day. I feel like that is what spirituality is to me, Mm. is a practice of engaging with and having relationship to the mystery and the mindfuck, as we're saying of that, is that it is always a mystery and we will never know, but can we be, what does it look like to be in relationship to the, I don't know. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, (laughs) but I want to keep asking the question. It's like, I want to live the question. Yeah. (laughs) There's a, one of, one of my teachers, uh, Jitsuma Tenzin Palmo, who is fantastic. I mean, she lived in a cave in retreat for 12 years. So can you just imagine the level? But one thing that she says, if it's like, if you arrive at a place that you have no questions, you better believe you're not practicing. You've stopped practicing. I'm I'm quoting her. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what she said, but. It's like if, yes. if you ever arrive at a place that you think you know it all or you have all the answers, then you're actually not alive truly with life and with all that is happening within you. It, can you imagine? We have no idea what is happening in our bodies. It's like I, 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 it's <laughs> like I know, like I've studied, for example, the digestive system, but it always, it, I'm, I'm always like amazed when I see food and I start eating and my digestion has already started. And then I go to the bathroom and then I feel bloated or I don't. It, it, it really amazes me. And this is just watching <laughs> one thing that is happening every yes. day, all day. So. Yes. It's, it really is, mm-hmm. it's so humbling to be like, I, I actually don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then it opens space to, to that mystery, to being okay with that, to dancing with that mystery. And it's like, okay, I found, I found, mm. I found a little step. Oh, and then I found another step. <laughs> oh, okay, I found, I found a friend that wants to dance a little bit here with me. And then, mm. and then you go and it's the massaging, yes. it's the dancing, that opening and closing. Mm. Yeah. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Can you speak a little bit to, as we come to a close, for those listening who might be afraid of the idea of silence, mm. um, stillness, solitude, what are the gifts of silence, mm. stillness and solitude that you have found? Mm. Beautiful question, my love. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys that it's not not difficult. It is difficult. It is hard work. <laughs> and it is extremely enriching and empowering. I don't even want to use the word rewarding because you're not doing something to get something else. It is, it's the most profound ways that I have been able to get in touch with parts of myself. Because think about it like this. When we are in relationship, we're always in relationship with with ourselves, in relationship to our thoughts, to what we're thinking, to what we want, to our feelings, to what we're digesting, to our emotions, to, you know, the the physical sensations in our bodies. We're always relating to that. And then we're relating to the weather. We're relating to the air. And then we're relating to people. 
they're also carrying all of those within them. So it's just like a lot of relating to be had. And most of us are still just like glimpsing what it's like to be truly present and not be carrying a heavy load of a backpack that just gets projected onto other people because they're half asleep. So imagine you get all of that mm. out of the equation. It's you. And you have to deal with your, your mm. own inner relations, thoughts, feelings, emotions, mm. memories, traumas. So you, there's, there's a better, there's a better sense of how to meet them because it's you. And what mm. also happens in silence in ways that I have not experienced elsewhere is the sense of reliance and resilience that I feel because you feel scared, but then you say, I'm going to go to this little edge. Oh, okay. And then what if I go to this little edge? Oh, what if I, what if I go to here? And you're like, okay, how, how about here? Like, so if you're being curious, think about take half a day of silence. Tell your partner, your roommate or whatever and say, hey, I'm going to take half a day that I'm not I'm not going to, to talk and I'm not going to watch anything and I'm not going to go on social media. You're just going to be with yourself. Okay, just see what happens. Half a day. Yeah. Okay, just listen. Because what happens when there's space, we can listen a little bit more. And that's what we need because the answers mm. are already there. Everything that, that Andrew and I are mm. sharing here, it's already existing in everyone's mind. This is not like, oh, here's Moon's mm. wisdom. This is the wisdom that I've created mm. a tiny bit of space to, to sort of like connect with so that I can share with myself and mm. with everyone. And same thing that everyone has to offer. It's not like, oh, those are your gifts. No, those are the gifts that, that you are cultivating in your exercise, but they're not independent to that person. So stillness just yes. opens up, it moves something that, that feels almost unshakable otherwise, you know, and it moves parts of mm. you that the more at peace, the, not really peace, but the more comfortable or the more you make silence and stillness your friend, the more friend to yourself and to more parts of yourself you will actually be. And, and I, I keep finding mm. it that's, that's almost one of the most foundational spiritual practices, you know, to really befriend more parts of you, to befriend more parts of your story. Because if I can be more at ease with more of me, I can be more at ease with more mm -hmm. of you and everyone in all of life. And then yes. I'm like, okay, I'm doing a okay job. You know, I go to bed at night. I'm like, well done moon, you know? So if you're thinking <laughs> about stillness, yeah. try taking one minute, you know, do a one minute meditation to just follow your breath. And then increase. Oh, one mm. minute felt doable. So I'll, I will do two minutes tomorrow. It, it's a gradual yes. path. This is a gradual, gradual path. There is no secret <laughs> pill that solves everything and that we get to <laughs> wherever it is we think we want to get to. It and the, and the path and the process itself is the initiations, is the, the growth and the healing and exactly what you need, you know, and there's a sense of acceptance as well, that everything that you are experiencing is precisely what you need. Mm -hmm. Hey mama. <laughs> Thank you so oh, much. I can't believe it's time already. I could, I could just chat with I you for know. like 10 more hours. <laughs> 10 more hours. We'll have to have you back on part two, part three, part infinity. Mm. Uh, before we get into rapid fire, I'd love to know where people can find you, where they can connect with you, where they can connect with your work. Mm, yeah. On Instagram, Moon de Simone, M-O-U-N-D-S-I-M-O-N-E. And that's also my website, moondesimone.com. Um, right now I have space for one-on-one -on -one spiritual mentorship and I'm often doing um, women's group mentorship programs. 
And, oh, I also do have a retreat coming up, uh, an in-person retreat. Ooh. I guess I can say that. I almost forgot. It's in August at Kripalo yes. in Massachusetts with a dear friend who's a wonderful facilitator as well, Alexandra Roxo, and it's called A Revelation. So yes, um, we've had Roxo on the yes. podcast. So you've got two powerhouses yes. there. Is that the information to attend that retreat on it's your on website? It's on my website as well. Yes. Thank you, Amazing. my love. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Of course. So let's do some rapid Ooh. fire questiones. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what book do you gift the most? Mm. What book do I gift the most? That's a great question. I think that the book that I have gifted the most up until now has been Cave in the Snow. That is about the story of this nun that I was telling you about. The Chumatins and Palma that lived in the, in the in a cave for 12 years. Cave in the Snow is fantastic. Whether you are a Buddhist or not, just her story and the struggles and the insights, incredible. Mm, thank you. Yes. If you could choose your last meal on earth. Pasta and chocolate cake. <laughs> Oh, yummy. Yeah. What is the most important thing for successful relationships? Communication. Oh, yes. Always a classic. Never goes out of style. Good communication. Never goes out of style. <laughs> uh, someone comes to you and they're feeling really down, but you can only give them one piece of advice. What do you say? Let's take a deep breath. <sighs> yes. What's your favorite thing that you own? Oh. Maybe, maybe we've talked about this, but I, I think I would say my mala that I've had for eight years. Did I give this answer last time? Yes. <laughs> yes. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, yes, yes. Because I had that mala that I loved that I lost in mm. the fire. But it, and I don't know why. It's just so funny, those little attachments that we feel that we're like, let go, let go. Um, but I understand that answer so deeply because it's such an intimate mm. object that travels with you through so much. It holds as much energy, I think, as an object yeah. could hold. Uh, if you could be any animal, what animal would you be? That's a, that's a funny. Hmm. I don't know, but a horse is coming to mind. I Like a wild horse. I just saw a horse, you know, mm. gallivating at the at the at a, at a like a beach or yeah I don't know maybe a horse a brown gorgeous horse yeah they seem to be having a they great seem time. to be having I a good time <laughs> if you could have one superpower what superpower would you have <sighs> to make everyone feel loved Ooh, that's a good <laughs> one <laughs> Uh, if you could choose a totally different career or you had to choose a totally different career to the one that you're in now and you're in a parallel universe, you have all talents, all abilities, everything is available to you and you can't be in the career that you have now, what career do you choose? I think I would just, you know, continue my dreams of being an actress. There's so much there, so much yeah. liberation and expression that, um, yeah, I think I would say that. <laughs> yes. And the last one, there's a universal answering machine mm. that you can leave a 15-second note on today that everyone in the cosmos will hear. What do you mm. say? Okay. Um, <laughs> hi, my love. I see you. And I'm here with you. And you are amazing, no matter what has happened. Mm. And I love you so much unconditionally 
Bless. Thank you, my love. Such sweet soul nectar for my nervous system. Not only that answer, but just this entire session. So my love, me too. Deeply. Thank you. So grateful for you. So grateful for you. Thank you for the space. For Thank you in every aspect of the world. I'm so grateful for you as a sister, human, a facilitator. Thank you for doing this incredible work that you're doing. And thank you for having me. I just had such a ball. Mm. Mm. It's better together. Yes. <laughs> That's it for today, Awakened One. And just a quick thank you from me. Thank you for gifting us with your most precious resource, your time and attention so that we can make this world a more awakened place. And if we're not friends on Instagram yet, then we absolutely should be. So come on over and say hello at Angelica Alana and I'll see you there and see you next week.